Chris? Don, what's up? What's up? Uh, I'm doing great, man. Um, thanks for being here today. Um, I told you before we started that I was going to uh, re return, retitle this one. This has been my Facebook Live conversation series, and today's going to be the live listening series. Um, I'm excited to listen and learn. And um, to get started, uh, welcome everybody that's listening live. Uh, this is the Facebook Live listening series with uh, me and Chris Harmon. I am going to read this very, very late arriving bio that Chris put together but it's well worth the wait, okay? Um, I know Chris is an unbelievable person and a great friend, uh, and I needed to hear a little more about his actual sort of career, um, and so here it is. Moving to Dallas in 2010 from Monroe, Louisiana, Chris Harmon started his company, Harmland Visions, in the event industry, providing clients with videography, photography, DJ lighting, and special effects services Chris was able to make Harmland to the top of the industry and created one of the strongest entertainment brands in the area. Chris also began a second company within that brand called High School Hype. During Chris's career, he has represented the wedding and events industry well uh, by being a member of every local organization practically, um, as well as serving on the boards of SWP Texacom. And how I know him best is his service to the DFW NACE board. Uh, I'm so glad we could do this, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. We're going to have fun. It's going to be very informative. Uh, I hope when everyone leaves this, uh, this call today that they have more of an understanding of, you know, how people of color, um, specifically black people, uh, feel about a lot of things that's going on during these times. So uh, hopefully, you know, it, it's an educational piece more than anything. So um, that is the perfect segue. Let me take one, care of one housekeeping. First of all, we already have 26 people watching. And so uh, I'm humbled that so many people would join to listen to us, Chris. And secondly, I'm going to keep an eye. I just want to make sure just because we haven't done this before. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on the comments. And so if people have questions or if they want to sort of uh, thumbs up, love, heart, uh, the things that Chris is saying, I'm going to keep an eye on that. Uh, so I'm not distracted, Chris. I'm just kind of keeping an eye on that as well. Uh, and I think, I think we should jump right in, man. Um, in light of current events around the nation over the past week, what's the first thing you want to say or share to the audience? Um, man, I, I just want to say, man, the things that are, the things that are happening right now is hard. Um, the, the COVID situation, nobody expected to see that that's something brand new for probably everybody the racism situation especially going on with george floyd is that that stuff happens all the time and what's happening is is just black people are tired like it's it's it's, it's over it's like they tried everything that they could do so everyone's seen the end of it it's it's the the downhill side where it's new to some because uh when it were first happening things were either taken as a joke there was a lot of conflicts there's a lot of questioning well you know maybe that happened maybe that happened it's 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 not any of that just it's no you can't really explain there's no questions involved it's just this is what's happening and we're trying to express that in a way 
And now with the destruction of downtown Dallas and all the cities uh, amongst the United States, it, it's sad that it has to come to this. Um, so it's a, it's a lot. And I know some people, uh, I've seen a lot of comments on Facebook, man, and some are very disturbing. Uh, and I want to, you know, just start off here. I'm going to be brutally honest about a lot of things because I need my friends and the people that I work with that respect me to just understand. And once you understand from there, after this conversation, I mean, then, you know, you can take it however you need. Um, I, I don't agree that the destruction part of it needed to happen in a way um, because it ended up affecting more black businesses. Like it, they destroyed other black businesses by doing that. But at the same time, I'm not saying that it didn't need to happen because that's what, if that's what it took to get everyone to say, what is going on? Let, let's, let's fix this. Then it is what it is. Like that had to happen. It sucks. But if it didn't happen when, when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, a knee, it was too many questions. It was, Oh, why this? Why that? Why that? It didn't work. When it was peaceful protesting, we wasn't destroying nothing. It didn't work. So it's kind of like a kid, you know, like, and I don't condone, you know, whooping your kids, but if you probably my generation and older, we got whoopings. And when you, when your parent tell you to stop, you don't listen. She yelled at you. You don't listen. What's next? She's going to take that belt out. And then you all of a sudden start listening. So that's the way this is harsh reality. It just, it is what it is. And that's what it took to, to get to where we are today. So, um, first thing that you said that really hits me hard, really hard as, um, is this stuff happens all the time. And I think that the reason it hits me so hard is because even as somebody, I consider myself to be an ally and somebody that tries to pay attention. It's not in your face unless you're living that reality. And so this has, this has put people in the uncomfortable position, admittedly the necessary uncomfortable position of it being in your face and this wholly irrational, unacceptable, intolerable existence requires a wholly unacceptable, intolerant response. And that sometimes requires, like you said, um, more destruction and more damage. Um, I, I mean, I just really wanna get right at it. Um, let's talk about racism. Um, when we pre-framed this and I had a chat with you yesterday, again, I, I, I oftentimes felt myself saying, how did you not know? How did you not see? So we, we kind of talked about racism in your life as an individual, I wrote down as a husband, as a father, and as a businessman. So I want you to take that wherever you want to go. And I want to listen as long as you want to talk about what that means to you, racism in all those buckets. Got you. Um, as an individual for racism, I mean, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm black. I'm black, man. From Louisiana, uh, born that way. Uh, I didn't have a choice. Um, I mean, I'm glad I didn't have a choice. I mean, I love every bit of who I am, but that's that's what I am. I can't. There's there's nothing about that I can change at all. I can't do anything about it. Um, so the way people perceive me has to be in my character and who I am as a person. And I have to carry that with me every single day. Um, when, I, when I wake up, I have to think about the decisions that I make 
um, as a black man that could affect my family, could affect my business, just based off of the color of my skin. Um, there's times where I can disagree with something and I got to bite my tongue because it's like, okay, if I say this, I could, you know, I could lose my, get upset and then the police get called on me, you know, or I could, uh, you know, be judged off of every little thing because it doesn't agree with, um, you know, white people or agree with the, the company that I'm around. So there's a lot of times where I'm in situations where I either I'll, I'll have to leave early or um, just just stay out the way. And I shouldn't have to do that. Like I should be able to just walk and talk freely just like everybody else. But that's the reality of it. And I don't know, like I'm 32. And I don't think that if this thing ended today that my mind would shift to where like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore because I'm 32. So by that being instilled in me for 32 years, the best thing that I can do is just keep, you know, uh, my daughter away from the reality as long as I possibly can until, you know, she gets of age to have to understand this is the life that we live in. Um, you know, j just, just as a husband, I mean, like I have, I have to, uh, and, and, I, and I always tie that in just being a husband and a father, just, just being that family man. When I leave the house every single day, I have to make sure that whatever decisions I make gets me out the house and gets me back in the house without being harmed, without being taken to jail. Um, I remember, uh, I forgot who had just got killed, but it was, I remember the very next day I was driving somewhere and I was speeding, I was, I, I was speeding. And I didn't think I was speeding that much and um, I got pulled over. And when I got pulled over, the first thing I did was take my phone, put it on my dash, and I went on Facebook Live. Just because I didn't know if that was going to be my last time breathing based off of me speed. And I didn't put any comments. I didn't, I didn't say, you know, I got pulled over by the police. I just went Facebook Live, and people were just looking and, you know, not really understanding what was happening. But then they seen the police officer pull me over, and they kind of, they were, you know, praying for me and just thought about it. But it was because of a speeding ticket. And I got pulled over for one mile, going one mile over. It was, the speed limit was 75, and I was going 76, and they pulled me over for that. Uh, the ticket ended up getting dropped, which, you know, you know that was cool. But other than that, um, in a normal situation, I would have been like, man, are you serious? That's, I was going one mile over? Like, come on now. But I just knew, like, you know, all right, I'm sorry, officer, I – I was going over, just give me the ticket so I can get out of there. And I shouldn't have to do that. Like I shouldn't, I should be able to have a conversation with the police officer like, man, I was just going one mile over, give me a break. And I'm like, I don't want to say any of that. You know, so um, that, that's, that's, a, that's a reality for me. Um, as a businessman, man, that honestly, I probably seen racism throughout my life, but it wasn't clear to me until I got into the, until I started working and I got into the event industry. Um, my, my first job prior to the event industry, I was working at Enterprise and my manager, um, he, he was a racist, he was a racist. Like he would always make slick racist comments. And you know, you're trying to like not have, cause like you don't know when people are joking. Sometimes they, they you know, sometimes people can joke 
with using the black word or, or just using words, um, the N word, you know, you can joke with that a little too much and you, you can say, um, it's just a joke. I'm just playing. We're cool like that. Well, no, it's not, it's not, it's not that. And I, and I have white friends that have said the N word in in some situations and it's like, you know, you kind of laugh it off, but at, it's still our reality. Um, one of the, the things I was telling you earlier is that a lot of people now are not comfortable having the black conversation. But if you ever heard a song and you was with your white friends and the N word was in the song, you are going to say all the words. You're going to say that because you're in a comfortable environment you know, no one's going to take it out of proportion. It's just saying the N-word. Well, if you can do that, you can, you can at least have the Black conversation in public with your Black friends. Um, so as a businessman, it's, when I got into the industry, I just felt like I had to work really, really hard. And a lot of people uh, recognize me for, for the work ethic that I put in to this industry. Being on all the boards, I mean, how many people you know that was on three boards at one time? SWP, Texacom, and NACE in one year, same time. I had to do that. I had to. I didn't want to. I had to do that. How many times do you get the same videographer recording the big events for all organizations and have to go home, leave the party early? Everybody's partying the midnight, drinking, having a great time, but you got to leave the party early just to get home and edit a one-minute clip to put it out the same night just so people can say, wow, he really works hard. I have to, I, if you don't mind, Chris, um, Amber asked me a really good question, and it kind of ties in here because I want to I show my ignorance. Yeah. I said, well, don't say it like that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Um, so I said, I said earlier that it's not always when it's not always in your face, right? When I was talking about racism, and she asked, "What does it mean to say that it's not always in your face?" And and what I meant by that, clarifying that meant, I think that if it's not your reality, if it's not something you live in, then you can sort of keep blinders on and either convince yourself that it's it's either not a form of racism or it's not that prevalent or it doesn't happen that often. Okay. And so that's all I meant by that. And when we talked about this yesterday and you said those things, I used to, what, like I, I kind of would always call you a hustler. I was like, man, Chris is a hustler, man. He never slows down. He never says no, never once in all the times I was paying you a compliment for how hard you worked and how much you did and how much you gave. Never once did I think, oh, man, he's doing that because he has to overcome the color of his skin. Never once. And so that's, that's just blatant sort of ignorance on my part. And, and having you show me that, having you tell me that yesterday is, is both eye-opening and heartbreaking at the same time. So I just want to point that out because I just made the business assumption. He's just working hard. He's just representing his brand. He's just showing people what he's capable of. When in actuality, your intention there was to say, I have to overcome, I have to do more and better than everybody else just because of the color of your skin. So I just, just want to interject that. And so please go on. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's, that, that's 
100% of the truth. Um, and I, I'll even tell you a story with one of my DJs, man, one of my, uh, one of my best friends uh, DJs with me. And, uh, you know, we was going back and forth on his pricing. And I'm like, man, I got to, you know, we got to raise your pricing and get you up there. And he was like, nah, man, I'm good where I'm at. I'm good where I'm at. But I'm like, no, man, you got to, you're like one of our best DJs. You got to come out, network, get your face out there, you know, do these meetings. And he was like, Chris, like, you don't get it. Like, if I go out there and do all this DJing, what they're going to do? They're going to dance to my music. And then when they get done dancing, they're not going to refer me to these high-end uh, high weddings. I'm, I got to charge 1200 or 1500 at the minimum. And then what, what sucks is that you'll be in these conversations with other DJs or other videographers, you know, like, hey, you guys need to raise your price and your pricing needs to be at this point. But then when you prove that you're at that point, but you don't have that support from anyone, it's like, well, I got to settle for the cheaper client. I got to in order to put food on the table. And, and that was a conversation that, I mean, we were going back and forth. Because I'm like, no, man, you can do it. You can do it. And he was really fighting me back on it that, um, no, nah, it, it's, it's impossible to do. Um, and, and, I, and I still believe that it's not impossible. It's, but the, the, that's the proof. Like, he's done a lot of work, and, and nobody would look at him. At least the white clients wouldn't look at him. But then in return, we have white clients that will try to get the black client because everyone wants to diverse their, their portfolio. And like I was just telling you earlier, like with a South Asian wig, like, come on, man. Like, no, no South Asian couple is going to do a wedding with no South Asian vendors. Sometimes we got to do our job. Sometimes we have to do our job. And doing our job is simply studying our client. What, who is my client? Who decided to book me? Let me put you with vendors that I know fit you versus forcing your own into that, to that couple. I don't believe, and I, and I wish I could see the day, but I highly doubt that I could get a South Asian wedding and it just be 100% black vendors. There's no way. We don't even know all the cults. We don't even know all the songs or the culture and all the, the traditions and things that come with that. But part of your job, if you want to diverse your portfolio, you have to diverse the people that you work with and associate with in order to do that. And that's the piece that I think a lot of people lack on um i had a just a, just a couple stories um there was a time where i built a relationship with a planner and again when i go into these networking events and stuff and i don't necessarily think that i'm gonna get business like the next day i do understand like it takes time to kind of you know get into that mix especially when, when we do events most of our events are planned a year out so it may be a minimum of a year before you get in that next rotation or whatnot. But I was, I had a really good relationship with a planner. Um, we would go to conferences together. We was always drinking and always having a good time or whatnot. And, um, and I made it clear as to what I do for us to be that close. And one day uh, they had a, a couple and the videographer had bagged out for whatever reason, something had happened. And I was, you know, I was off. I was minding my own business and whatnot. And the, the couple 
had, I'm sorry, not the couple, the planner had got on Facebook and was like, hey, I need a videographer tomorrow or whatnot. And I didn't see the post. Like, I didn't even see it. Um, but everybody was booked that day except me. So another planner called me and was like, hey, I got a last minute event. Like, I need you booked. So boom, I'm booked now. The next day comes around and the planner who originally, that I had a relationship with, originally made the Facebook post and everything, texts me the day of the wedding like, hey, I know this is a long shot, but are you available for this wedding? I'm like, no, I just got booked last night. When I got to the wedding that I had got booked for that night, another vendor friend was like, hey, man, did this planner ever hit you up? I was like, yeah, she hit me up today. He was like, man, they, she texted me last night looking for a videographer, and she sent me a list of all the videographers she had reached out to and couldn't find nobody. And what hurt me in that conversation was that it was like 10 videographers, and they were all white videographers, all of them. All good videographers, like nothing against them, all good videographers. But I wasn't, after spending all that time and drinking and, and having, you know, these this relationship, not one time was I even a thought, you know, on that list or whatnot. And it was like, it was like a, a, a desperate need at that point. So um, just little things like that, man, just, just that I, I identify as racism. Um, there's other vendors that I know that had conversations with me. Uh, even Keith, I'll, I'll put Keith Betters out there, man. Keith Betters is a black videographer. Me and him, we play basketball with DJ Riz uh, before COVID every Wednesday morning. We're playing basketball and stuff. And, and me and him had a conversation that he works with a lot of high-end planners. The catch is they only call whenever the client has a low budget. When they have a higher budget for his normal rates, he doesn't even get a, hey, are you open on that date? But whenever it's a hey, I got, a, I got a client, but they only have a budget of this. Could you do it? And he'll do it. He, he does it because he's trying to build a relationship with the planner, get the white weddings, but they won't respect his price range. Mm -hmm. So um, those are just things. And, and, and we can say racism or, or it's just things that people need to be aware of, of how we view it. You necessarily may not view it as racism or you not doing anything wrong because it's something that you don't have to deal with every day but uh for us it is it's super noticeable and that's why we create these these black groups where it's like you know keep the black dollar within the black community uh book only black vendors we don't necessarily see like people saying book white vendors only you don't see that but that's kind of how it just happens in a way. Uh, so it's kind of happening without, you know, necessarily being said. So um, I want to point out a couple things. So Ben and Chris Q are on um, and they're listening and making comments. And uh, do you know Ben and Chris Q photography yeah. team and, and wow. Ben builds these amazing Ferrari of computers. Uh, he's so talented. Um, and they're obviously people of color. And um, Ben has pointed out, something that is uh he, he he makes it jovial i'm gonna point out he makes it jovial i find it heartbreaking uh that he uh he he agrees that you have to work twice as hard but he always finds it funny that people ask him uh, routinely how he's going to be dressed at the wedding 
And then his very talented wife chimes in and says, or they hand us dishes. Because when they show up, of course, if they're people of color, they're not there as talented visual artists that create some amazing and beautiful wedding images. They're there because they're part of the part of the service staff. Um, that's, that's again, one of those times when I look at it and I go, man, because I don't live that existence, no matter how much of an ally I try to be, I was ignorant of it. Um, I just want to point out for everybody that's watching, it's not willful ignorance, it's ignorance. And now that I've been educated, I will no longer possess that ignorance. Um, and I want to pivot you a little bit, Chris, if you don't mind, because one of the things you talked about yesterday that, um, and I told you I wasn't getting emotional. I told you, but it, it's unlikely um, because it's so near to my heart. Um, we talked about being in an association together and how much work we've done together and how much I value and appreciated your contributions when I was working alongside of you. And when I was the president of the organization, you never said no, you always gave hard. And you pointed out, I'd like you to tell a story about how when you walk into those meetings, how you oftentimes feel. You remember telling me that story? Yeah. Um, when you walk into a networking networking group, um, so like, all right, put it like this. Networking is, it's hard. It, it's, it's not easy. And there's a lot of extroverts and introverts out there. There's a lot of people that's never been in a big group in their lives. And this is white and black. This is not just black. Um, you know, so when you go to a networking event, your, your mindset is, man, you know, who can I connect with? You know, who can, you know, give me business? I need my business cards. I need to be dressed the right way. Like, you know, you just want to make a good impression. Well, black people got to do all of that plus be black. So when you walk in and you see no black people in the room, it's a little bit more it's a little harder than, um, than the normal person networking for the first time. You see the different clicks, you know, no one really comes up to you and break the ice. The people that, the, the people who are the leaders of the organization, they don't see color. And that's, that's the, the problem. It's like, you, you can't assume that everyone is gonna feel the same. Um, I know a few planners that, that even told me like, man, when I walk in a room and I don't see any black people in the room, I don't feel like people are going to connect with me. I'm going to think like, you know, am I going to get anything out of this because I'm black? Do I belong here? Um, it's, it's a very harsh reality. Sometimes it could be overthought, but sometimes it, it is a true real feeling that when you walk in and people aren't greeting you and treating you as as such, you instantly clock out and it's like, okay, I don't belong here. Then you end up leaving early. You wait until everyone's brought to the meeting room. Once the announcements start, you slide out the back door just because no one's really talking to you and interacting with you. Uh, you know, they'll, you know, if you get into their circle, they'll laugh and shake your hand, but then you they'll turn their shoulder and continue talking to who they were talking to. Um so if, you, if you've ever been scared of a click or you didn't want to, you know, try to, you couldn't break into this click and you thought something was real clickish, well, add being black to that too. Because then it's, it's like you're really not going to break in. Even for me, it was so difficult for me to break in uh, into, into networking. 
as much as I talk, I'm really, I really am not a big networking person. Like sometimes I go to a networking event and I'm, I'm really like, I just want to talk to the people that I already know. And I kind of stay by myself and then people gravitate towards me. Um, so it helps me talk to other people. And I constantly show up year after year after year after year, meeting after meeting after meeting. I constantly show up. And at some point, it ended up working. Um, but I felt like that's what I, again, it goes back to that's what I had to do in order to support my team and to support myself. But a normal black person just going into that, no, it's not the same. You, you definitely feel like the world is against you. Um, and you're there for no reason. And then you, you end up leaving and never coming back. And then what, how we as leaders in the organization, we respond to that by saying, oh, well, no, you just got to keep on coming. You got to keep coming. You got to keep coming. And we're overlooking the site that that person is feeling that they're not being welcomed because they are black. And then when it's time to renew, we call and we say, hey, just checking on you. Just want to see if you want to renew. And it's like, no, we didn't do anything that whole year to make sure that they felt comfortable in that room. Um, one of my pet peeves, man, is that, and I tried to like push it like indirectly because I don't, I didn't necessarily at the time want to make a big conflict about it. But when there's these big events, these, the Vindy Awards, the, the Nays Gala, um, SWP Gala, like those things, I always wonder like, is there a person of color in that committee? Is there a person of color on that vendor list? Is there a person of color gonna be recognized? Because all of these things matter. Again, and I, and I wanna keep interjecting this, you may not see it as an, as an issue because you're, you're following the book, you're following the rules. Thing like the Vendies, like I'll just use the Vendies for example. The Vindies, like, the members vote on that. There's nothing, like, nobody can do about that other than the members vote. Like, it is what it is. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't defeat the reality that people of color are not being recognized at all. Um, I was telling Sarah Beth this yesterday. I don't think she'll, she'll, you know, she won't be upset about this. If they ask Sarah Beth, Sarah Beth, will you plan the Vindies? Sarah Beth will take it like, oh, sure, no problem. Yeah, I could do that. If you tell Ray Theta, will you plan the Vindies? That is a huge, huge thing for the Black community. It's huge. Some of these small victories are the world to the Black community. Because one, we have an opportunity to show our talent and our skills. Two, the fact that it was even a thought, like it was like, hey, I like what you do. Like, I like your work. I think you are pretty dope. Like, I would love to see you put this big event on. But when it don't happen, it comes off like we're not good enough. And that's where the, the problems and stuff come in at. Um, when, Janae, when Janae DJ, the uh, Rose Red, for those who know, a lot of you had an opportunity to see Rose Red DJ on several opportunities. When Adam Wilmore texts me and said, hey, man, you think uh, one of your DJs want to um, DJ? Well, he asked for Rose Red because Rose Red had just DJed at Nacy Ball, but we're not in our, in our private uh, party. 
He said, man, you think Rosé would DJ Denise Gala? And it was no question. It was like Rosé didn't even have a chance to even say yes or no. Like, I told Rosé, you're going to do this, and this is how you're going to do it. And we can't mess up. Like, we can't. Sound has to be perfect. Cable's got to be tight and neat. You got to play. You can't play the same songs that a normal DJ will play at these events. You have to go above and beyond, get them dancing during cocktail hour. Because the end of the night, we're going to Jordan Khan. We're going to his to, to hear his band play. So, no, you have to dominate the cocktail hour. You have to make people remember the cocktail hour before the party just because you're black and just because you need people to remember your name. And that's something that I don't think everybody else has to do. If somebody asks another DJ, hey, all you got to do is play cocktail music. And they can put a playlist on. Just let it play, walk around and network. Not for us. We have to show out. And that's that's how that, that situation went. And so I just want to go on to say that I love her. <laughs> when she started playing at the Evolve at your after party, she was professional, kind, talented. Uh, she played one uh, song. I'm going to show how old I am. One song that was reminiscent of high school for me. And I was like, man, 90s jam all day long, anytime you want. And she kept playing it over and over again. And she would make eye contact with me when I, she would play one. And she, it was just, I literally felt for that period of time. And then again at the gala, when I reconnected with her, I felt like she was playing specifically to, to me. I felt very, um, very well cared for, right? From a position of the fact that she was just going above and beyond. And again, in my unwillful ignorance, I just thought, what a great DJ. She's part of Chris's brand. That all makes sense. And to hear that basically you're doing that, you're having to do that, you're being forced to do that, um, to overcome color of the skin that you were born with is heartbreaking. Um, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to ratchet it up a little bit. Um, well, first of all, the comments and the, the things that are being said, Chris on Facebook are, exceptional there's a lot of people agreeing with what you're saying there's a lot of people that are um are basically sort of commenting in support and in an agreement there's also a lot of people that are not of color there's a lot of of white folks on this that are talking about how much they want to hear this how um i wrote down somebody posted i didn't realize how much i didn't realize and so um for those of you that are on here that would um, that are able to sort of uh, feel what I feel in a sense that we were unwillfully ignorant, and if this wakes them up and has them see that, then I think that what we're trying to accomplish here is working. So thank you for your stories, thank you for anecdotes. Um, I kind of want to ratchet it up a little bit because there's a word that's been coming to me while you've been talking, and that's um, uncomfortable, right? Um, everything you've described in so many different ways at the bare minimum is uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I've read a lot. I've tried to listen a lot. I've tried to learn a lot. And it's kind of like it's time for white folks to pull the blinders away, no longer be willfully or unwillfully ignorant and be uncomfortable with you. Yeah. Would you agree um, with that? A hundred percent. Um, at the end of the day, man, I, 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 there's a couple of things I, I want people to take away from this, man. Black people or even any person of color, we're not, we, it's not a handicap. 
it's not a handicap. It's not a disease. It's not a, a sorry for your loss. It's not a, hey, I got to treat you a little bit more delicate than others. It's, it's not any of that. It's, it is a uncomfortable conversation to have. And I want people that's hearing this to walk away being comfortable. If we can talk about sports, we can talk about Trump, we can talk about business, we can talk about family. Being black and being white is a, is a exceptional conversation because there are things that we do that you have to understand. Think about it like a um, an all-inclusive resort. If you ever went to Dominican Republic or you went to Jamaica or you go to places like that, well, when you go and you take the, the tours, you get to understand the culture. They don't have a problem telling you about their culture, the way they live, the huts they live in, the food they eat. They don't have a problem telling you about those things. So it shouldn't be uncomfortable to have a conversation with black people about the way we live in America. It, it's, it's the same thing. It's just that our lifestyle is different from yours and your lifestyle is different from ours. We feel that we live a hard knock life. It's a, it, and here's examples of how we feel that way. And, and it's a debatable, it's not to say that nobody else lived, like nobody else had a hard life. That's, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that we have an extra, extra thing that we have to deal with too. Um, and in a perfect world, we just hope that people would overlook, like, listen, if we all do our jobs, it should get overlooked. If, if you refer me to one of your clients and your client just didn't book me because they just didn't book me, then cool, they just didn't book me. It is what it is. But if it's a, oh, well, let me just book the same people of my color and without even saying it, that's different. That you, I never even had a shot. I never even had a chance at that. Even if my talent is great, my work ethic is great, but you overlook all of that because of my color, that's the issue. And again, you may not ever say that out loud, but the actions speak louder. People are not going to go out the way and do things. Like, everybody knows that if they ask me for something, I'm going to say yes. As long as it doesn't interfere with anything else I got going on, Anyone who's needed a video done or they needed a DJ for a small little birthday party for their kids. And it's like, okay, well, you know, we could do that from two to four or something early in the day. Anything like the, the last minute networking event needed a DJ for, I'm going to always say yes. So at the end of the day, I just ask that if, if, if I can build that relationship with you by always saying yes, you don't always have to say yes to me, but we should be comfortable enough to be able to talk about any of these things. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I've noticed is that, um, and I have a lot of good friends that are doing this. They're like, they're posting Black Lives Matters and they're posting the, the vendors who uh, are, are black to show of support. I appreciate, and I, I want to make sure I don't say this the wrong way, so if I do, I do not mean it in no bad way. I appreciate that you are taking the time to try and do something. 
is it the right thing to do? I mean, who knows? But you're trying to do something. However, I, I owe it. When people ask me for that, I say, yeah, that's cool. But I never give any input. I'm not writing a bio. I'm not, you know, telling you what companies to promote. Because if you're doing that, that's great. But I don't want to use that as a marketing scheme. Because this whole thing is not about marketing. Whoever, I, I haven't had a chance to look at the comments, but whoever's like listening, this is not a, I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and I'm just going to book Chris for everything. This is not that at all because it's bigger than that. Even if we fix everything in the industry, we still have to live with the fact that people get killed for no reason all the time. Every time I decide to go out for a run, like I, I got a membership at the gym just so I could go into the gym and, and run on a treadmill, but I actually like to run. But now I'm, I'm conscious, I'm like, I'm thinking about when I go out for a run, I hope when I got my headphones on, somebody don't pull up behind me, jump out of the truck and kill me. Every time like I'm running in my neighborhood and I see a truck like just coming the opposite way and then they have to make a U-turn, I instantly get paranoid. So I'm like, why are you making a U-turn that slow? And all it was was they missed their turn. They just had to turn around and go back to the other spot. But it, it instantly makes you think like, what are they about to do? What are they about to do? And I hate that I have to live that way. So um, the biggest thing is, you know, because this is our work, our work uh, field, this is our industry. I'm just hoping that, you know, people take that into consideration because it's a hundred other things that we have to deal with outside of the, the wedding industry or the events industry. So um, hopefully that covered that up. Well, not only did it cover it all, it, it took us back to a place that we, um, you know, when we, when we started talking about how racism affects your life, we talked about it as an individual husband, father, and then we kind of, we kind of got rooted in business man, because that's so much of what we do together. It's so much of who we are and it's so much of the people that are watching, but man, I got to tell you the fact that we kind of moved back up to a place of how does racism affect you as a man and as a father, as an individual, I don't think that's, I don't think that's unwarranted. And, um, I think the things that you just pointed out are, are the things that are the most uncomfortable and the things that people need to see and hear the most. The idea that you wouldn't be able to go out for a run, you know, it kind of pulls it back to business a little bit, but one of the other things is you told me that you've had to leave events early and you said, you know, I just gotta get out of here because I don't want to be driving much later at night through this area. You know, I'm gonna go home and get safe. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that is again, in my willful ignorance would look at that and be like, Oh man, Chris must, he's probably hustling. He's probably got to go home and edit a wedding. And in actuality, you're like, I got to get out of this area of town because if a black man seen driving around in this town, in this area, of this town, I'm, I'm just, it's more inclined for me to get into trouble for doing absolutely nothing. And so just think about after um, a networking event, I'm pretty sure everybody can attest to this on here. Like just a nice, Let's just say we're at the House of Blues, downtown, and what, we, you know, Ubered, or we, we parked, you know, down the street or something at one of those parking garages, and you're drunk, and you're, you're walking to your car, and then uh, you may have a, you know, an argument or a joke or anything, anything, and a police see, a police officer or anyone sees a black person walking with a group of white people, and yeah, and everyone's loud. 
do you think I really want to deal with that? Like, like, oh, well, we were, we were all drunk and we were all uh, coming from the same party and we were all joking and playing around, but I'm the only black person in the group. I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want to take the chance of being the one person that had a situation. And then, you know, everybody else around me may look at it like, oh, the officer just messing with Chris, not thinking like, no, the officer's like, being racist like he's he, I'm, I'm the one that got picked out of everyone for them to, to figure out what was going on um so those those are like a lot of reasons why um uh, we'll have a lot of after after nace event events and like I'm, I'm there for like an hour max like i try to be there for an hour max and then sometimes i got a good group of people that i trust that i'm and i'll stay a little bit longer like everybody knows like me and lauren twitchell we always hanging out afterwards. So I'll stay with, you know, at least with her. But if I'm like in other groups or whatnot, it's like I'm, I'm there for an hour max and I got to get out of there just because I don't want to find out what was next. I don't, I don't want to take a chance. It's, I'd rather just go ahead and go home and be done with it. I had a great night. I got the network. It was all fun and games. And I'm out of there. Now, sometimes – it's sad, and, and I do this on Wednesdays. I go to knockouts on Wednesdays with my black friends, my fraternity brothers. So when I'm done with NACE, I'm going to knockouts on Wednesdays because I'm with I'm in a black community where I know that I'm not going to get in trouble over it. The police officers are black. The owners are black. Like I don't have to deal with all of that. Even though I, I'm not really the guy that, that gets off into getting in trouble and stuff like that anyway, but I don't have to think about it. And that's that's the part that I wish I didn't have to do in the industry neither. I wish I could just be in the industry and just whatever happens just goes on, but I don't have to worry about, oh, I got to go to jail and all this stuff too. Like I don't, or get killed. So that's just a big thing for me. Man, um, so I've got some questions here that I'm going to pivot back over to, but um, we've covered a lot in, in the first 45 minutes. Um, we covered everything from, let's say sort of at the most inconvenient and unfortunate, it's the hard work you have to do to overcome the color of the skin that you were born with from a business perspective, right? All the way to the fact that right now, a very, very bright spotlight has been cast on the fact that in society, people are weaponizing things that should make you feel safer, that make you feel the least safe. And to me, that's heartbreaking. And I think that it's something that people on this call need to hear. Um, you know, it started with Amy Cooper in New York City in Central Park, where she weaponized a phone call to the law enforcement people to say that she was being attacked by a person of color, African-American man. And the fact that he basically, at his core, had to think the thing that should keep me the safest has now been weaponized against me. So I just want everybody to, on a call or just listening in, to think about that span um, because for me, whatever part of it I was able to see and whatever part of it I was not willfully ignorant of, this has been unbelievable and I hope to do better. I've had a lot of questions um, in the comment section, Chris, about um, like, what can we do? Um, Michelle asked like sort of tips, what can we do as allies, as white people, or or I imagine even people of color and other African Americans, like what 
can we as a society do to be seen, to help you be seen? Um, uh, Ashley Thompson asked, what can we do specifically maybe in the weddings industry? So maybe we attack this from a, from a couple different angles. Um, let's start with overall society. Let's ask, let's answer Michelle's question. What can we do to help fight racism, help you be seen, take away this? So um, I'm gonna say a couple, couple things to that, man. Cause if you ask, you know, if you ask other uh, people of color that question, they probably won't give, give you an answer because it's more of like, it's personal. Like it's like a, it's a, it's a thing right now where it's like, it's been going on for so long. So the first thing is really just being aware of that. Just being aware of, of what it is. If I had to make a suggestion, I would say, man, start with your kids, start with your family, start in house, correct the issues that are in house. If these things aren't being talked about in house, they are being talked about at school amongst their friends and how their friends are raised is what they're going to give to your kid. But in your household, you're not going to talk about it because you're thinking by me, not by, by you being silent and not talking about the racist issues in your home. Doesn't do any good if the other family talks about racism and they are racist and their kid teaches your kid racism that's a problem speaking about it not being afraid to like i have my logo behind me but i i i'm black first i'm the black guy before this logo behind me. so if anyone feels like oh i'm gonna lose business because of the way i feel and the way the, the support you gotta you gotta check yourself like which one is more important your values or your business at the end of the day, like business is business. DFW is so big, you're gonna still get business. People are gonna probably love you more because you stood up and you uh, you supported what it was. But you can't you can't sit back and be silent. You, that's what you can't do um, because it comes off as if you're if you're silent about it, it comes off like either you are racist and you don't agree with it, or you 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 don't know what to say but are you seeking what to say? And then once you seek what to say, do you go out and say it? And if you don't, then it's like, well, I gotta protect my brand so I, I don't say anything at all. So uh, identifying the situation and, and doing the best that you can internally to change, but I don't know what the, like I, I couldn't give you a step-by-step -step tool or whatnot because at the end of the day too, I don't wanna, make this a handicap thing. Like, I don't want to say like, oh, well, this is what you should do. I just think that everything should be pretty conscious. When you walk into a room, uh, let me just say Nace Gala, and you put together a Nace committee, you, I mean, a Nace committee for the Nace Gala, you think about it as, oh, I'm just putting together a committee. We think about it like, is there anybody of color on that committee? So that's the mindset that you gotta, you kind of got to have, and it just kind of got to be fluent. Like, you don't have to say it out loud. If you're the person putting together the committee, you can just say, okay, I want that person, that person, but in your mind, let me ask somebody of color to be on this, on this committee. And you don't have to make it a big deal. Just, hey, Chris, can you be on this committee? Hey, Lance, can you be on this committee? 
hey, Amber, can you be on this committee? Like, get people involved, because then that shows that you're trying to keep it diverse. And the person of color that you bring in is going to bring you other color ideas. They're going to say, hey, look, I think we should have this person as a vendor, or that person should do this, or maybe our theme should be a Jamaican-type theme, or, like, let's take us to an island-type theme that's going to bring people of color. They're going to suggest these things. They're not going to suggest a night under the stars. They're not going to suggest a Hollywood thing. No, they're going to come up with some creative, out-the-box type things to keep it very diverse. But in order for you to get that, you got to include that. So those are just some like small steps that I can say. I'm not even saying that that's going to fix everything. Because at the end of the day, it, it, it is what it is at this point at the age that we are. And this is a habit that was taught. This wasn't a habit that we just, you know, just kind of grew up with. So um, if the industry wanted to do things differently, just, just think about it like that. So somebody, somebody in the comments, and I'm sorry, I don't have your name to quote you, but you can comment again, please, for me, and I will give you credit. It was an awesome statement that to, to not be represented is to not be seen. And so when people look at boards of directors, at committees, at groups of people talking, when they see that they're, they're not included in that and they're not represented, it's like not being seen. So that was, that was the first thing. Chris, I love you so much. Chris corrected me. And I think it is the, it is the unwillful ignorance um, that I'm working through. I said that you had to work so much harder and do so much more to overcome the color of your skin or to sort of fight that racism. And she very wisely pointed out that it's not that you're trying to overcome the color of your skin. It's that you're trying to overcome other people's problem with the color of your skin. And if you guys are listening and you know my heart, you know I would never say anything that would even in any way um, represent a position other than of love and inclusivity. But it's just that simple wording. Words matter. And so um, thank you, Chris, for pointing that out. Um, I think the other thing I heard there, Chris, is to talk to your children, man. Um, Frankie's three and a half. And unfortunately, she doesn't have any friends right now <laughs> because she's stuck in this house with her parents 24-7. But I'm so fortunate that we live in a community that has a lot of diversity. And so she has been around people of color her whole little existence, including neighbors and friends. So um, I think that is the best advice. The other thing that we talked about yesterday that I think would be a great thing to say on this call is that um, I don't... You, you said it, actually, if you don't mind my paraphrasing you, that there's nothing that we can do to fix this root cause. You just have to do something. And doing something sort of imperfectly is better than not doing anything at all. Yeah. Um, and I think you and I would agree to say that if we can unite as allies and start doing stuff, momentum doesn't just start out of nothing. It has to grow and it has to develop. And so if we can all commit to doing something, that that momentum will grow. Um, let me take a quick look. Um, Kimberly says that, yep, for all the people raising your children, are they exposed to people of cultures and colors? If not, that's a problem. Uh, Lance, 100%, he says it has to be intentional. It's not going to happen by happenstance. You have to want it. You have to commit to it. Um, Hala says she feels hopeful um, when she sees um, how children think and who their friends are. 
Um, Cassie Brown also uh, complimented Chris on her wonderful uh, correction of language there. Uh, Amber says, everyone is going to make mistakes on this journey. It's important that we don't allow making mistakes to get in the way of making progress. A hundred percent. I am not ashamed to admit this, Chris. When we started talking about this on Monday night and then you and I talked on Tuesday, I, I was willing to admit how fearful I was of having the conversation, yeah. not because of the conversation, but how, how it was going to be perceived, how it was going to be received. And you and I just basically went all in and said, just have to do it. Just have to do it. We try to prepare for it. I'm trying to do the best I can to moderate. But at the same time, this is the Facebook live listening series. So um, let me get to my next question, guys. We kind of touched on this already, but yeah. I want to throw one thing out there uh, um, that I mentioned to you yesterday that I, I, and this kind of goes back to just an experience. Um, I have some friends that's in the industry and for a long time, they didn't put their, their picture on their website or their social media. You go through their social media, you don't see a picture of them at all. If you go through their website, there's no like about me, uh, meet the owner page. It's just the page with, you know, all the services and stuff. And the reason why they didn't do that was because they're black and they didn't want the client to judge them off of the, their, the color of their skin before they got to know their personality. Um, it's kind of like what we like to, to call it. It's kind of like pricing where you, the, the the company doesn't put their pricing on the website because you want the client to reach out to you and you got a chance to sell them. And then, you know, you get ready to tell them like, hey, this is a, a big hefty price tag, but you got a chance to show your personality, you got a chance to show the importance of your service, and then boom, there's the price. Same thing when it comes to, to black vendors. Um, a lot of them, didn't have their faces on there. So when the client called and inquired and then they set up that consultation and they met, they probably, they could have already lost the job once they set up that consultation, but they had a chance to talk them into it. And that was a big thing. That was a fear for a lot of black vendors for a long time. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to see like a lot of the black vendors I know, they changed that. Now you go on their page and it is what it is. They're, they're living their truth because we can't change and we can't hide forever. We can't do this. Like it's tiring uh, to try and do that. So um, I didn't want to, you know, I just, I had a note about it and it was, I was supposed to say it earlier. And I just wanted to just bring that story up uh, before I forgot about it. That um, I once again can, can um, admit to my willful ignorance again. I never in a million years would have thought of that, especially as a visual artist. I would literally be like, hey, man, why don't you have a headshot? I'll be happy to take your headshot. You know, you get never once thought that that's something that somebody would have to sell over. Um, and that's that's my fault. That's my fault to be that willfully ignorant, non-willfully ignorant. Um, and so thank you for opening my eyes to that as well. Um, all right, guys. So we're at about an hour. Um, we have a couple last things. You know, um, we talked about it yesterday, Chris, I, you know, so much of this conversation is heartbreaking and challenging and sad and eye-opening. And I mean, we can describe it a million different ways. And I wanted to, to sort of upswing it 
and then we're going to give some resources and then you can kind of share any final words you have. But as we upswing it, um, what else can we talk about from a perspective of making change, making progress, things we can do? So we talked about, um, and we, and we can talk about it from a variety of different sections, right? We can talk about it as an individual, as a father, as a businessman. Again, what can we do? What else can we do? We talk to our children. We raise them with this understanding. We make sure that they're not ignorant of what's going on and they affect change. Uh, I think it was Lance posted um, about working twice as hard or working harder to ensure that our, our lists of people that we recommend represent the diversity in the community and in the industry. Is there anything else you can think of that we can share with the audience to, to make change? I think we, we, I think we definitely cover a lot of stuff, man. Like I'm really big with the, the, you know, starting with the kids because if it doesn't happen for me, at least I know that when my daughter's of age, you know, and if, if she decides to be in the wedding industry and all our kids are in this industry at the same time, at least this conversation was done. Um, and we could make some type of change within. Um, I, I, I just think that it should be a, and this goes for me too. This is not something, this is, this is not something that just white people have to work on. Black people have to be open to receiving the, 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 the willingness of white people who wants to help. Because I know sometimes we can get so in our, in our thoughts like, oh, they're only doing that for their business or, oh, they're, they're only doing that because, and I get that too. I do get that too. But some people are not like that. Some people like yourself just are, wasn't aware, and this is mind blowing, and you have to take this in and grow with it. And we have to also be able to receive the growth as well to help. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not a one-way street at all. It's not, it's not that at all. It's just, I think we have been doing it for so long, like trying to fit in that we're tired. And again, a lot of this comes from the energy that happens outside of the industry. And then we take that and mix that into what's going on here. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm done with it. So it, it's definitely a, a mental thing. I would say, man, just, just be mindful of who we say are our friends. Um, if we're going to go, you know, and, and it's not going to happen all the time, but sometimes we'll have like gatherings and stuff. Just ask one of your colored friends, hey, man, we're going to go hang out over here. Like make them feel included. Just little things that you would normally do with your all white friends add some of that to that they they may not show up but it's the fact that they were included i'll tell you like renee renee still every time she goes to the pool i unfortunately i have a lot going on so i couldn't go but she includes me in that text message hey we're going to hang out at the pool today she didn't have to do that she has all white friends too but and but she also has a relationship with me so she doesn't look at me like, oh, well, that's my black friend. I'm not going to invite him over to the pool. Like, no, like I'm one of her friends and she'll send that message. Hey, come out. So just little things like that, that um, is a start. Just trying to include people in more of the things you were going to go do anyway. Um, when, we're, when we're in our networking organizations and stuff, just be, in, be inclusive. Just it, make it diverse. Again, it's not, it's not putting up a sign yelling, hey, we're looking for a black person to be on this committee. Like, no, don't do that at all. That's the, that's the wrong thing to do. But just being, being thoughtful about it, bringing somebody that you know and trust. Like me, 
I think me, Lance, Kimberly, Amber, you know, we're all heavily involved in, in involved with NACE. So if it was NACE related, if any of us was in there, we're going to help bridge that gap. That's what we're going to do. Um, but if none of us were involved, then that's where there's, it's impossible to help build, you know, bridge that gap. So that's just my thing. Just be thoughtful of it. Um, you know, if it fits, it fits. If it don't fit, it don't fit. Don't force it. It can't be forced. It has to be something that is, is genuine. It has to be something that makes sense. Um, you know, and, and everybody just wants to be treated the same. This, if we're not going to see color, then everyone has to be included the same. But you also have to understand that a person of color's struggle is going to be a little bit different. And it's not to be a handicap, but it's just to be noticed. Just to be aware of. And yeah, the language you used is so important. And I think that one of my takeaways, one of the most important takeaways for me is there's no act that's too small. I think people feel like, oh, well, if I just do this little thing, it's really not going to make a difference. And they convince themselves out of doing it. I know that I will never allow that to be the case again. I will always do the little things because I think we can all admit that sometimes enough people doing the little things move more mountains than one Herculean effort. So um, thank you for that language. Uh, let me scroll through comments. Just a lot of comments on here, Chris. A lot of comments thanking you for your honesty, your transparency, for taking the time to share your story. I love that I see a lot, a lot of white folks on here that are saying this has been so unbelievably eye-opening. Um, based on the horrific and tragic events of the last I guess now we're on 10 days. My only hope from all of this is that it doesn't, that, that, that this doesn't come to an end, that this is truly the sort of incendiary event that, that affects real change. Um, and I hope to be a part of that. I wanted to share a couple of resources and Chris, you can jump into, we're all, also going to come back to you for some final thoughts, but um, I've been doing a lot of reading, learning, and listening lately, and I just wanted to throw out a couple of my favorites. Um, Equal Justice Initiative by Brian Stevenson uh, was something that he formed, and it's an unbelievable organization that um, fights injustice. Of course, the Southern Poverty Law Center, um, both of those entities are on, um, on Twitter. Uh, his book, Just Mercy, is not only a book um, that I got when I had an opportunity to meet him, um, but it's also right now a movie that's currently streaming for free all throughout the United States um, on different streaming services. So um, he's one of the people that I've looked to. His articles, his words have been very helpful to me. Um, so if you're looking for resources, there's a few. I'm also going to collect resources and put them in the comments um, of the video. So if you want to stop back by, and I'll also try to publish them elsewhere because I think, I think your words are right, Chris, is that um, we just have to do something. We just have to do something. So, um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, lots of Lance. Um, if you want to get the visual of what we're saying, thumb through the history of the DFW NACE industries pickers, um, from then to now two different worlds, but that's because of the intent of Chris Amber, myself and the others to ignore stats and show change, not coincidence. And unfortunately, uh, not by broad invitation. Let me, uh, so what, what Lance is, uh, was talking about, um, this is, and this is probably one of the last stories, but 
with the Vindy, the Vindy Award nominee thing. Uh, it was it was big. It was it was bigger than what you could imagine. And what I wanted to say was, uh, and Shashorn mentioned it yesterday. It was, it was so funny because we we're not. I'm not big on awards at all. I'm not like, and that's that that's not something that I look for. I, I'm not that. The purpose of it was there weren't any colored people being nominated or winning the awards or even being a vendor. I don't even know what black people was a, um, was a vendor until like when Twitchell was over it, she had me do the video or not. So it was a, a effort for with me and Lance and Amber and, and Tashorn. Uh, we were just trying to get people of color involved. So at this last uh, Bendy, uh, when I got nominated, it was important like, hey man, we, we're gonna buy tables. Let's get you know as many black people as we can get there. Uh, it was just a big thing for that nominee. So when I kept saying like, man, I, I already won. I won because I just wanted people of color to be involved, and I wanted the people of color to know that it can be done. So uh, and I think we accomplished that. And, and then also what Lance is referring to is that when you look at photos, if you just go back and look at events you'll see it in the photos that there's no people of color or very few people of color. You may see the same, you know, couple people, but you will see a room filled of whites. And then when, when we're able to get it to where every other picture is like black, white, Hispanic, Asian, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, it's kind of all over the place. Then we know we did our job. That is what we're trying to get to. So if we ever need a, a I guess a measuring rod, it's gonna live with the photographers. Cause when they take the photos, they're documenting exactly what they see. And the photographers got to be, you know, uh, mindful of that as well. Like if you're taking photos of an event, don't just take photos of the people you know. There's gonna be new faces and colorful faces and 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 you know, people all over that we want to make sure we show we're moving in the right direction. And in order to move in the right direction, we got to show the people of color being involved in these events. So um, for all the photographers that's, that's done uh, photos for these networking events, if you got time, just go back and take a glance at your photo gallery and you'll see the difference. And as time moves on and you see more colors, then you know we're moving in the right direction. So uh, because, Thank you for that. I think that um, I think that there's a real message there about the fact that we can all do better. Um, to that end, since you mentioned Renee and we all love her so dearly, and she's watching, and she commented, which I have to share, and that's that Renee loves everyone except assholes, and that she just wants everyone to feel included, no matter their color, and she promises to be even better about it. Um, so. I think that's one of my strongest takeaways, Chris, is that we can all do better. We can all do something and we all sort of have to need to. Um, any other final thoughts you want to share before we wrap up? And uh, I, mean, I appreciate you done for even, you know, uh, using your platform because you didn't have to. Um, it was something that, you know, you felt in your heart and, and I'm, I'm glad you were comfortable enough to reach out to me and lean on me in order to, to make this conversation happen, because I hope that when we end this call, everyone 
understands the, the point of view and they're being they're they're aware of what they could do better or just the things they could think about differently. Um, like I, I told you before this call, like I'm not a big interview person. I'm not a big podcast guy. Like I listen to podcasts, but me being on a podcast, like I think I got to get to another level of life so I can tell this brilliant story before I get on one. So to do this, this was kind of big for me to like, man, I got to drop all these jewels right now. I wasn't ready for this, but I feel like it was needed uh, to happen. And I hope that it's something that we don't have to continue to beat up on. The next time this conversation comes up, I hope that it's more of in a positive manner and we see change and we see difference because I believe this is healthy for not only our personal lives and how we are as people, but it's also important for our businesses. For the people that want to have diverse portfolios, well, this is how you do it. Uh, for people who want to build relationships with other vendors and have different vendors that fit their clients differently, this is how you do it. Uh, when you when you just kind of stay in that bubble, that's all you get is that bubble. And then, you know, you get assumed that that's how you are. So uh, that's just my final takeaways, man. I, again, I, I represent uh, a black man and a person of color before my company. And I hope that everyone could just respect uh, our views and our thoughts on the things that we go through. Um, I know everyone has different opinions on comments and stuff like that, but it's something that you can, you can have an, it's, you can always have an opinion. Just, just know that um, you, you, you don't live this way. So some of the things you may say, you gotta be, you know, cautious of that because you can say the wrong thing. It's okay to, to express your, your thoughts, but if you act like you live that way and then express your thoughts, that's the problem. That's the issue you don't want to do. Um, so yeah, I just hope that everyone, you know, respects that. And uh, again, I am friends and uh, I, I have a lot of relationships with a lot of white vendors, um, a lot of great friends. And um, I just hope that, you know, we can all move forward and not take this as a step back. So, uh, those were supposed to be the last words, but I'm, uh, the, the audience won't let that happen. This isn't me. This is the audience, Chris. Okay. Um, two, three, four, five, six people have said, Chris, you're there. Your voice is needed and wanted. You're ready. Your voice is calming, encouraging, and educating. Chris, you're awesome. Thank you for sharing this here today. Chris, thank you for sharing your heart. So, um, I got to tell you, man, one of the, one of the things that I love the most about you is your humility. Um, it makes you a lot of who you are and why you've been so successful. And um, I'm gonna give you the last word. I refuse to have the last word. I just wanna tell you how much I love and respect you and I appreciate you doing this. So give us the last words. Um, okay, I'm giving some last words. I'm kind of running out of running out of gas, man. But you know, I love everybody. Thank y'all for the comments. Thank y'all for tuning in. This. That means a lot to me. I haven't had a chance to look at the comments because I'm I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to look at my notes, and then I got my comments going here, but it's it's doing too much, so I, I let that go. So uh, when this is over, I will jump in the comments and and respond to everyone. But I haven't seen any of them yet. Uh, but thank you for the ones that's watching and still watching. Um, thank y'all for spending this hour and almost 15 minutes with us, and because that tells us that this is important to you. 
uh, for you. You could be doing anything else. You could, you know, be working even though COVID going on and nobody's working, but you said you're working and we know you're not working. <laughs> that was your way of not wanting to listen to this. You could have you could have did that, but you didn't. You decided that you wanted to see what was going on and see how you can be better. So um, now I appreciate that, and I definitely when this is over with, I'll, I'll jump in the comments and respond to some stuff. Thank you, Chris. I love you, brother. I right, love you too. Thank you. Uh -huh.